Father God, um, we are thankful, uh, so thankful that we can um, speak to you. Uh, who are we to even speak to you in your utter uh, holiness? Um, thank you for the reminder in our kids' talk um, of what it means for you to be holy. Um, and yet here we are speaking to the God of the universe, the, the almighty, holy God. Uh, thank you uh, that you've made a way for us to come to you. You've revealed yourself through your word. Um, uh, thank you that we can read it now and have it preached for us. We pray that by your spirit you'd soften our hearts uh, and really speak to us at the deepest level of our being that we may be transformed by knowing more about who you are and what you've done for us in your Son, our Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Let's pray again, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Give us wisdom and understanding. As we listen to your word, may we know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all we do through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're continuing to think about some of the picture of God given to us in the Bible. We've thought about God, our great and good Father. We've thought about God, our shepherd, our good shepherd. And this morning, let's think about 
our holy, kind and loving God. Well, the word holy isn't a common word today, although marriage used to be called holy matrimony. The expression holier than thou may be used occasionally by some people to describe, say, a self-righteous person. Sacred space is a concept that I think more people would be more familiar with today and it might be used to refer to, say, a church or a war memorial or um, a cemetery or Uluru. And I have a Bible with the words Holy Bible on the front cover. It's different from all other books. It belongs to God. Well, the word holy is certainly used in the Old Testament. And we've heard one example of that in today's reading from the prophet Isaiah, where God is referred to as thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. There's an incident in the book of Exodus where Moses sees a bush that's burning but doesn't get burnt up and he's curious and he draws near but he hears a voice that says, do not come near, put off your shoes from your feet for the place in which you stand is holy ground. A bit like someone saying, take off your muddy boots before you come into my clean home. Now coming back to Isaiah's experience, there was a king in Judah called Uzziah about 740 BC and he was dying of leprosy. And at the time the nation was uh, decaying spiritually and morally and perhaps people were wondering, well, who will be the next king to keep the nation together? Then Isaiah the prophet saw the king, the Lord Almighty, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and he heard angels calling, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. God is a holy God. And that came through to Isaiah in a fresh way, in a very vivid way. Some things are what we call sterilised, aren't they? We hope the doctor's surgeon's instruments are sterilised. We mean we hope that they are germ-free. Well, God is utterly, totally germ-free. There's no dirt whatsoever in or on God. John says God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So he's without defects. He is utterly pure. He is without fault. He always does what is right, never what is wrong. Abraham once asked, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He certainly does. Jesus, when he was praying in that garden of Gethsemane prior to the cross, addressed his father as holy father. 
righteous father. And he taught his disciples a pattern of prayer, which we can also use as a prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, and it begins with, Hallowed be your name. Our Father, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. And when we pray that, we are praying that we will reverence our Father for who he is and behave reverently towards him as his children. We're really praying, Father, may you be worshipped in the world, in our lives, in your church. May you be honoured and may your character have top place. May people know you for who you really are. And so we hallow God's name, our Father's name, when we believe his revelation in Jesus and live by faith in Jesus. Now, if I was wearing an off-white shirt, I might think that I'm pretty clean. But if someone came and stood next to me wearing a pristine white shirt, then I guess I wouldn't feel quite so clean. And this was sort of Isaiah's reaction. Here was a good man, probably. He's a prophet. Well, he's a man that's trying to follow God. But he has a vision of God. And his holiness is what strikes him. And his reaction is to declare, I'm a man of unclean lips. He suddenly didn't feel quite so clean. Now, I can relate somewhat to Isaiah. I haven't always spoken in the way that God wants but thank God Isaiah was forgiven and cleansed. And then having been forgiven and cleansed, he heard a voice. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And his response was, here am I, send me. Now, brothers and sisters, we who believe in the Lord Jesus and know his cleansing and forgiveness can also be carriers of God's message to others, like Isaiah. We too, in the place where God may put us or may send us, we too can be a messenger for God. I'd like to read a little poem by an elderly Christian man who lives in Victor Harbour. Above the bluff... I see the starry southern cross with the pointers revealing our southern symbol of grace. So I decide to be a pointer to the one above all others for my fellow walkers here in this beautiful place. Well, you and I in this beautiful place can also be a pointer to our wonderful Father. Well, we can share God's message as we can, but what is that message? Essentially, what the holy God has done for unholy people so that we can have fellowship with him and he with us. 
And that brings us on to the reading today from Paul's letter to Titus that highlights that. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. He saved us. Salvation is from God. Totally from God. It's his work. It's his work of loving kindness. Now, God is holy and God is just, but if that was all, I for one would not be saved. But God has loving kindness. We've heard of the term philanthropist, someone who is kind and loving and puts that into action to help others. Well, I'm told here that the word in Titus literally is God has philanthropy. And Paul goes on to tell us how God has acted in his loving kindness to save us. He says, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Rebirth. Rebirth means you are alive to God now. Once God was not part of your life, or if he was, he was way over there, but now you're alive to God and you have a new life born within you from God. On TV there used to be a program, Restoration Man. The house starts off dirty, worn out, um, shabby, but bit by bit it is renovated, it is renewed into something beautiful. Jesus is God's restoration man because through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit that he gives, our lives are renewed. Bit by bit, our character is being changed into someone beautiful in God's eyes. Or you may have the practice of spring cleaning your home and you set about to make it clean and bright and beautiful. Well, the Holy Spirit is the great spring cleaner of our life house. So all three persons in God are involved. The Father loved us and planned our salvation. The Son was given by the Father to die and rise for us and make our salvation possible. And the Holy Spirit brings it into our lives. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father and made sons and daughters of God. I'd like to read something that a Bible teacher called Thomas Smale wrote that I thought was helpful. I'd like to share it with you. The business of the Holy Spirit is not to make us sons, still less to make God our Father, but rather to reveal and realise in us the sonship that, it, that has its whole basis 
in the work of Christ. Or as St. Paul teaches, in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. And now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And so the Father first sent his Son to die and rise for us and then sent his Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, dear Father. The Father gave his Son to die for our sins and the Holy Spirit brings the forgiveness of our sins to us and pours God's love into our hearts. Jesus died to free us, free us from sin and death and the Holy Spirit brings us into this freedom that we now want to love and obey God our Father. And all this is not because of our merit but because of his mercy as Paul goes on to teach. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of deeds done by us in righteousness but in virtue of his own mercy. There was a certain celebrity, he had his portrait painted and the next day he emailed the artist, this portrait doesn't do me justice and he got an email back, sir with a face like yours it's not justice you need but mercy. Well, God saved us not because of our merit, but because of his mercy. It has been said, grace is getting what we do not deserve. Justice is getting what we do deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. The loving kindness of God is his mercy to us in action. There's a story about a man called Alan Emery and he recalls taking an extended train trip as a youngster and one morning in the dining car he heard his father, an important businessman, comment that the porter seemed to be in pain and walked with a limp. Well, the poor man, it turned out, was suffering from an infected, ingrown toenail. And later in the morning, Alan was surprised to see the porter coming from his parents' sleeping car with big tears falling from his eyes and he went into the lounge sat down and he was still crying so Alan followed sat down next to him and at length he asked you're crying because your toe hurts no said the man it was because of your dad well with great concern Alan pressed for the story his parents had returned from breakfast and immediately approached the porter asking about his toe Mr Emery explained that he wasn't a doctor but he might be able to help him. He removed the man's shoe and sock, carefully lanced the infected toe, cleaned it and carefully bandaged it. Doesn't hurt at all now, said the porter through his tears. It feels fine. Then why are you crying? Well, while he was dressing my toe, your dad asked me if I loved the Lord Jesus. I told him my mother did, but I didn't believe as she did. 
then he told me that Jesus loved me and had died for me. As I saw your dad carefully bandaging my foot, I saw a love that was Jesus' love and I knew I could believe it. We prayed and now I know that I am important to Jesus and that he loves me. With that, the porter burst into tears again. When his sobs subsided, he looked over at Alan and said, You know, boy, loving kindness can make you cry. Brothers and sisters, in his loving kindness, God our Father gave his only son to die on a cross to lance our sin-infected spirit and cleanse it by his wounds we have been healed and now our reading from titus today finished with these words so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life paul teaches us that God justifies the person who has faith in Jesus. But what does justifies mean? Well, putting it simply, you are now in God's good books instead of his bad books. You are now right with him instead of wrong with him. I like the way that the Pigeon English translation of the word justified puts it. It paraphrases it as, God, he say, I'm all right. Or if you want to put it another way, as someone has said, God the judge says, case dismissed. You are innocent. You are acquitted of the charge of having sinned against me. God justifies the person who has faith in Jesus. Now apparently in Roman law, in Paul's day, if a man was condemned, then he lost his rights of inheritance. So he couldn't inherit anything, any legacy. But if he was justified by a judge in a court, he was also pronounced the rightful heir of all that was due to him. Now, with that in mind, let's listen again to Paul's teaching here. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. That word hope is really confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The saying is sure. No doubt about it. The saying is sure. Now to close. I draw attention to something that our holy, kind and loving Father says to those who are his children who know his loving kindness, and I read from Peter's first letter. 
as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I imagine when princes William and Harry were growing up, they were encouraged to conduct themselves in a manner in keeping with their being members of the royal family. Well, as Christians, we are members of the royal family. God is our sovereign and also our loving, kind and holy Father who sent his only begotten Son to make us sons and daughters. And then he sent his spirit to let us know that we are his sons and daughters and to enable us to live his way as his sons and daughters, to be different in the good sense of that word, to be holy as our Father is holy. So in effect, God our Father says to us, my dear children, I want you to conduct yourselves in a manner that upholds my good name and is in keeping with you being my beloved children. Let us pray. Holy, kind and loving Father, you sent your Son into the world to free us from sin and death. Breathe upon us with the power of your spirit that we may be raised to new life in Christ and serve you in holiness and righteousness all our days through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.